Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Are you feeling stuck making minimum payments on your credit card debt? SaveWithConrad.com can help, and you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Get rid of your credit card debt and lower your monthly payments right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Welcome to 5460, the Joe West Podcast. Featuring former Major League Baseball umpire Joe West. For six decades, no one has seen more baseball than Joe West. And now he shares those stories with you every week right here on the Podcast Heat Network. is asking the Reds to leave the field. I guess maybe as a form of security. Well, Joe West is not going back behind the, the catcher. So what is he doing? He, he wants to throw him out or what? He's not going to back away from confrontation. It's just not in his makeup. Which guy are we talking about back in the way? Well, come to think of it, hey, it's both guys. <laughs> and they're warning the Atlanta dugout now. A helmet came flying out. Bobby Cox, I don't think, threw the helmet. One of his players did. But Bobby's jawing back at Joe West. But somebody's been tossed, and here comes Cox. It was Bobby Cox who threw the helmet out there. Off the umpire, oh. and that's a foul ball. Joe West gets drilled, and he appears none the worse for it. <laughs> He's a strong man. Nice. Now Joe's going to give him some argument because Mark's saying, "Why do you do?" Joe, just get over there and umpire, will you? Yeah. Just get over there and umpire. No. That's all. It's fifty-four sixty. The Joe West podcast. Here's Joe West and your host. Mike Claiborne. Welcome, everybody, to another edition of 5460, the Joe West Podcast. I'm Mike Claiborne, and Joe West is alongside, and we have a special guest today. We're looking forward to talking to the Hall of Famer. He's won every award there is as far as TV and basketball is concerned, and we're welcoming 
Charles Barkley. Charles, thank you so much for joining us, man. It's great to have you with us. Well, you know what? It's a it's an honor. Hey, me and Cowboy have been friends a long time. When he called to do the podcast, I'm like, hell yeah, I'll be happy <laughs> to do it. But Mike, in fairness, uh, as everybody likes to remind me, I haven't won a championship, so I feel glad you left that out. <laughs> well, you know what? There's plenty of things in the world that you can probably be proud of. Not having a championship, you know what? That's cool. You know, there's a there's more guys that don't have it than do have it. So you're in a majority. Hey, you know, hey, and let me tell you something. I can count on one hand the people I would trade my life with. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I can't. I can't count anybody that wouldn't trade their life for yours. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, everybody in the world wants to be you. You know. <laughs> And you forget that uh, you were one of the greatest basketball players that ever lived, and uh, and you you can live up to that. And even though I did send you that list of, of players at one time, and you ridiculed me about it, but uh, and that I'll, I'll tell Mike about that in just a minute. But you you forget Ted Williams never won a championship either. You forget Dale Murphy never won a championship either. And you know what? There's there's 400 baseball umpires never won a championship, but they were tried to be as good as they could be, and that's what you did. So you need to be proud of everything you've accomplished in your life. And I need to tell all of our audience what you've done every year for the last, I want to say, 10, 12 years. When you go down to Andy Bean's tournament there in Lakeland and you give a lecture to those kids. So I want you to expound on that so that everybody can know that Sir Charles – is a lot bigger man than everybody thinks you are because I'm proud of what you do over there with them. So I'd like for you to tell that story. Well, it's pretty cool, Cowboy. I'm, I got Andy Bean and Brad Bryant. Um, so the, the owner of Publix, uh, Barney Barnett, is a great friend of mine, and, and those guys are too. So they do a special needs golf tournament down in Lakeland, Florida every year. And it's pretty amazing and special. Uh, it's just unbelievable because it's really interesting because for some reason, autistic, I mean, I don't even know how to explain the kids, they special needs. They can play golf and they love it. And it's the only sport they can play for some reason. And, and I've done it like 12, 13 years. When I originally decided to do the tournament, uh, I said, man, I'm doing this for one year and that's it. But after I did it the first year, Cowboy, I was like, damn, the joy these kids get out of hitting that little stupid ball and the joy their parents get. I was like, I'm never going to miss this. It's one of the coolest events that I put on my schedule. I look forward to it every year. But to see the love and joy these kids get and their parents seeing these special kids being just happy and excited. They hit a stupid little ball, gives them so much joy. And then I always lead us saying, I'm not gonna complain about my damn cable being out. <laughs> hey, I'm not gonna complain, you know, about something going on at the crib. I'm like, these kids get so much joy and so and their parents give me so much joy. Uh, and I was like, wow, man. And uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's just amazing. So shout out to Publix in Lakeland, Florida. The guy who started Publix, a guy named George Jenkins. And I said, shout out to Barney. He just lost his wife, Carol Jenkins, whose father started Publix. 
And uh, man, Joe, thanks for giving me some love, but man, but those kids, they make it worthwhile. Well, I can, I can tell that uh, it's, it's a special place in your heart. And Larry Ziegler sometimes goes over there and sees you over there and he raves about how good you are with those kids. He just, he just says, I can't believe this is the same guy that said he didn't want to be a role model. Well, you tell, first of all, <laughs> you tell Z, first of all, he is the worst joke teller in the history of civilization. <laughs> you talk about dad, bad dad jokes. He is the king of bad dad jokes. <laughs> He's one of the nicest guys I've ever been around. But he tell these awful dad jokes that, you know how sometimes you laugh at jokes because they're so bad? That's what Z's jokes are. We laugh at them because they're really, really bad. <laughs> so what you said, is he that kind of guy who tells a joke where he can't give you the punchline and you can nod in your head waiting for it? No, he's laughing before he gives you the punchline. <laughs> and then you, you say like, Z, that was not even funny. But you laugh because it was so corny. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Charles, you and Joe have known each other for a long time. Uh, were you a baseball fan at any point? We know you're a golfer. We know you like to fish. Uh, we've seen your attempt at hockey. Um, what about baseball, and how did this relationship come about? Well, so growing up in a small town in Alabama, my grandfather, Simon Barkley, was the biggest Atlanta Braves fan in the world. You know, back when they were on TBS every single day, I think we buried my grandfather in a Braves hat. My grandfather, every single day I went to visit him, he was sitting there with a Braves hat on. So I've been an Atlanta Braves fan. I'm really more of a Phillies fan now. Because I've, you know, I've always had a house in Phillies since 1984. But my grandfather got me and my love of baseball. I think, you know, you know, he mentioned Dale Murphy. I just played golf with Dale Murphy actually about three weeks ago. Me, him, and Bo. And uh, John Daly played. Uh, we have a major event uh, at my golf course in Alabama. So me and Bowen Dale played about a month ago. And it's always great to see Dale. But growing up, I think my favorite uh, uh, baseball players was uh, not, what was it? Is it, was it, it wasn't Bobby Cox was the manager. Bob Horner. I think Bob Horner was my, I'll get by him. I was going to say Bob Horner. I was going to say Bobby Cox for a second. But Bob Horner was my favorite player growing up. So that's how long I've been been in, into baseball. And I go to probably five to seven Phillies games during the summer. Uh, I actually spent a couple of nights with the Yankees down in Tampa when I was down for uh, game three and four of the Stanley Cup playoffs. And I really love me some, some hockey. But having to be staying at the same hotel as the, as the Yankees and caught up with Rizzo and Coach Booney, who I've known for, because I, I, I've been going to Cubs games. I go to about two or three Cubs games a year for the last 20 some years. Uh, but it was I just having to bump into to Rizzo and Booney at the hotel. I knew, I knew they were in town playing the Rays, but I was in town for, to support my boy, John Cooper, who's the co coach of the Lightning. But man, baseball's always been special to me. And, and listen, in fairness, I'm addicted to sports. I'm not gonna lie. Like, I'm going to watch baseball, football, basketball, hockey. I love sports because it takes us away from reality. And listen, the one thing the world needs now is way more or less of reality. <laughs> hey, this world we're living in right now, man, I'm, I, it's, a, it's a crazy world. And uh, it, it, if it wasn't for sports, 
I think we're all we we need more sports right now because we have to sit back and deal with reality. It's not pretty right now. But you know, it, in everything that you, you said, you made one statement one time. It was a cute statement. It said, uh, "You're not controversial. You just bring attention to it when you bring it up." You say controversy was already there before I started, <laughs> and I thought that was one one of your better lines. You've had some good lines over the years. Um, the deal about uh, not being a role model when you said it, uh, I remember seeing Harry Callis and you both right after you said that. But you you are a role model, and you've always been a, a good role model that I can tell. And, I mean, we when we approached you at that Philadelphia Sports Writers Dinner, um, which is really funny because you and I being invited to the same sports writers dinner is a rarity. <laughs> they, 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 they know there's a chance that we can get in trouble and bring even more publicity to the event. <laughs> hey, hey, so, so, Joe, so, so I tell you the, the story about the role model commercial. So, you know, uh, athletes do an amazing job in the community, and most people don't know that. We uh, These guys, they're amazing, going back forever. So, but I noticed something um in the in the mid 80s so and unfortunately we don't have we have too many segregated schools on different parts of town but i noticed something very disturbing uh, so when i would go speak at the white schools i asked these kids well what do y'all want how many y'all want to play sports but only like 10 percent raised their hand and i said what do you want to do i want to be a doctor i want to be a lawyer i want to be a teacher i want to be a fireman i want to be a policeman i'm like oh that's awesome because, you know, I always tell people, hey, playing pro sports is like hitting a lottery. But what scared me when I was going to these predominantly black schools, and when I would say, well, how many of your kids want to play pro sports? It was pretty much like 95 to 100% raised your hand. And I, did, I just kind of kept that little mental note in my head for X amount of years. And then I realized, like, man, these black kids only think they can play sports and be entertainers. And I said... No, y'all can be doctors and lawyers and engineers and teachers, firemen, policemen, things like that. So I went to Nike and they said, you're crazy as hell. And I said, no, I says, I know it's going to be controversial, but what it's going to do is it's going to start a debate. It's going to start a debate. And that's all you want to do. When you start, like, you know, we talk about controversy. I'm very selective on what controversies that I want to get involved in because I always tell people, if you cry wolf all the time, people are going to, they just get sick of hearing you. So I said, I want these young black kids to know they can be doctors, lawyers, teachers, firemen, policemen, things like that. So Nike told me I was crazy as hell. They said, you're going to get killed. I said, you know, I'm a pretty big boy. Hey, I, I'm not offended. I said, first of all, I play in Philadelphia. <laughs> I said, there's nothing gonna offend me that somebody said to me so nike says if you got the stones to do it we'll make the commercial and i did it and obviously all hell broke loose but i will tell you this about a year later nike came back to me and says we owe you an apology i said what for they says everybody loved the commercial they said 95 percent of the letters that we got thought it was a great message and you know my me and my friends used to joke around i'm probably the only person in the history of civilization told kids to listen to their parents and got blasted by by the media <laughs> you know 
And so I knew I was doing something right. When the media goes all against you, you know you're doing something right. <laughs> but, but listen, I tell people this all the time. Man, I, I've had the most amazing life. I wish every kid out there could play a pro sport. It's the greatest job in the world. But 1% going to play pro sports. And I wish everybody could do it. But I want these young black kids like, nah, man, I wish you could play in the NBA. But your mom and dad are 5'7". You're not going to play in the NBA. But you can be a doctor. You can be a lawyer. You can be an engineer. You can be a teacher, fireman, policeman. There are a lot of great opportunities out there. But I don't want all these young black kids growing up thinking, like, my only avenue of being successful is dribbling a stupid basketball or hitting a little round white ball or throwing a football. I want them to know they – it, it, first of all, you got a much better chance of being a doctor, lawyer, you do playing in the NBA. I mean, it's only 400-some players in the NBA. It's like hitting the lottery. You know what, Charles? Yeah. It's, funny, it's funny you bring this up because Arthur Ashe, the great tennis player, basically said the same thing like 30 years before you, and here we are still talking about that same thing. I, I guess nobody's listening. I guess nobody's listening because they well, still have the aspirations and want to be you or somebody else that's a professional yeah. athlete, and there's just so many other opportunities out there. Well, listen, and listen, hey, trust me, if I could still play, I see some of these damn numbers these dudes are throwing around <laughs> right now. I'm like, hey, do I have anything left in this body where I can go out there and get, like, one rebound? You know, you see, like, uh, Russell Westbrook says he's going to opt in for $47 million. I damn sure hope so. <laughs> hey, nobody says I don't want $47 million. And Kyrie Irving, he opted in for $37 million. I was like, where is he going to make $37 million for dribbling a stupid basketball? So if I'm a young kid sitting at home, I see those numbers. And, and God bless these young kids. I'm not one of those old get-off-my-long guys. I made more money than Dr. J and Mose and all those guys. They were clearly greater players than me. It's just it is what it is at times. So I understand these kids see these crazy numbers. But it's unrealistic. And, you know, and, and, and you talk about a hero, uh, Arthur Ashe. I can't imagine what it was like being a black man in the 50s and 60s and 70s. You know, I tell people, uh, you know, I'm from Alabama. I've experienced subtle racism. But to be a greater man as Arthur Ashe and the thing those older black Jackie Robinson Muhammad, Bill Russell, Jim Brown, all the stuff those guys have to go through. I, I stand on Kareem. I don't forget him. I stand on their shoulders, man. I'm so lucky and blessed in my life. And, and one of the things I try to do, Mike, is I try to go help kids and be a positive guy because you know, one of the things I try to do is, you know, I started a, a few years ago. My goal is to give a million dollars a year away to charity. Because, you know, we live in a world, you know, people always talk about racism. And racism exists, always has, always will. And that's unfortunate. But I don't get in the fray. I say, hey, I'm not going to waste all my time complaining and bitching about racism. I know it's here. I know it exists. But I'm going to always try to go forward. So I, so I started a few years ago. And I started in my high school. I said, I'm going to give a million dollars a year away. So I started a few years ago. I started at my high school. So I said, I want every kid here. If y'all want to go to college, I'm going to help you. So I started there first because I always started home. Then I went to Auburn. I said, hey, I'm going to give y'all a few million dollars. 
and y'all gonna help these kids. We're gonna go into neighborhoods underprivileged and things like that. So then the next year I did the Wounded Warriors because as great a country as we are, our government sucks when it comes to helping veterans. So I've been spending time with these Wounded Warriors for about 10 years now. They, I mean, if somebody go to war, I admire them and respect them. And if they get a life debilitating injury, they, they should get like, we should be invent new stuff to fix them so they don't ever have to worry. You know, and then I went to a couple of inner city schools in Alabama. But what I've done for the last five years, I've picked out five historically black colleges uh, and given each one of them a million dollars. I started out with Morehouse and Clark in Atlanta. And then I went back home to Alabama. I did Tuskegee, Alabama, A&M, and Miles. So for me, I really want to just keep trying to make a difference. When, you know, we talk about the role model thing. I, I tell us, hey. When I give y'all this money, when I come spend time with you guys, we ain't never going to talk about basketball, football, or baseball. <laughs> I want hey. y'all to say, because like I say, I want y'all, I don't know what y'all can do in life, but we're not going to try to put y'all in a mold with y'all, because I say, hey, none of this money go to the sports program. This is all academic scholarships and things like that. And so, hey, I'm just trying to do my little piece. That's all you can do, because, man, I've been so lucky and blessed. I mean, I just turned 59. Hey, hey, cowboy, how about this? I'm a damn grandpa. Can you believe that? Oh, yeah. I believe I, that. <laughs> I just had my, my baby girl. I got one daughter who's the most important thing in my life. And she just gave me my little grandson, little Henry. And, man, I, I'm on the back nine of life. I, I just turned 59. And I'm on the back nine. I'm just trying to enjoy myself. You know, and and, and, and and try to help as many bring as many people along on this journey with me as possible. Support for 5460 is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate hygiene bundle. Over four million men worldwide trust Manscaped with their exclusive offer for you. If my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. <laughs> the performance package 4.0 has arrived. And, man, it's a real game changer. You know, you use this product to, to take care of yourself and cleanse yourself just like you would uh, getting out of the shower. It's an awesome product. First off, the lawnmower, let me tell you, that trimmer is the future of grooming and I dare say the greatest ball trimmer ever. The fourth-generation trimmer, check this out, Joe, it's, uh, it features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to help reduce the grooming accidents thanks to the advanced safe skin care technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and has a 400,000 LED spotlight when you need to be more precise with your shave. Yeah, and because the trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but you want to keep your grooming game even further to the next level. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker nose and ear and hair trimmer. Ah, the Weed Whacker. It's also waterproof, and it provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which will help reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Also, when you think about the crop preserver, the ball deodorant, the crop reviver, the ball turner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. I can promise you that. Trust me when I say, fellas, your balls will be thanking you. 
Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their performance package 4.0, the Manscaped boxers and the shed travel bag. Bring your comfort in the boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code Joe West. That's right. Get 20% off free shipping with the code Joe West at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code Joe West. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Hey, Charles, um, you mentioned you've had a good life and you've had a lot great of fun. Life. Not a good, hey, great life, not a good one. Great life and you're still having fun. So with all your basketball accomplishments, what sport, what athlete would you like to trade places with? Would it be like a Justin Thomas or a Wayne Gretzky or some other athlete that you watch? Would you like to trade their careers for yours? Well, I don't want to trade with Justin Thomas because I don't want to be short. Um, <laughs> and, and Justin is a good friend of mine, so I hope he gets a snippet of this podcast. <laughs> you know, it wouldn't be anybody in football. Because I played football one day, and I was like, this is the stupidest shit ever. <laughs> Run into somebody for two hours straight. I used to joke with uh, the coach at my high school. I played one day, and I can't, he put me on, he, we used to joke, he put me on the defensive line. But the only, the only time you really work in football is if you're on the offensive line or defensive line. You sit somebody every play. And I went out there for two hours, just ran to this other dude for two hours straight, and I get back in the locker room, I'm totally exhausted, and I got my head down. My Every part of my body is hurting. And the coach says to me, I'll see you tomorrow. I said, I'm not doing this shit tomorrow. <laughs> I, and, and I said, coach, no disrespect. I walked up to him afterwards, I said, coach, this ain't for me. So my football expertise, my experiment lasted one day. So. It definitely wouldn't be anybody in football. Baseball, I don't want to stand out in the hot sun every day, six, seven days a week. Um, it would probably be golf. Uh, you know, I love playing golf. It's fun. I love being out there walking around those big old trees. There's nobody around bugging you. So, you know, Ernie Els is, is a guy I know vaguely who I admire and respect. Tiger is the greatest golfer ever. So it'd probably be somebody in golf. I mean, you can pick, you can work 30 weeks a year. If you're really great at it, you can do it. Because really, it's the only thing you can do now. You can't play any other sport once you, I mean, I the last two times I touched a basketball, I blew out my knee. So I learned a lesson. Old people should not try to play basketball. Uh, so it would probably be it would probably be for real uh, golf. You know, I got Charles. a chance. Hey, you know, it's so funny. One thing on my bucket list, I got a chance last summer to play golf with Gary Player. And he had heard through the grapevine that I was like, I want to who wanted to play them. So he was in Philadelphia and he, the guy called me and said, Hey, Gary player is here. He want to talk to you. I says, Hey, Mr. Player, how you doing? He says, Charles Barkley, here. You want to meet me and play golf with me? I said, yes, sir. It'd be an honor and a privilege. He said, well, you want to play tomorrow? I says, hell yeah. I want to play tomorrow. 
<laughs> I called my secretary. I said, if I got anything on the schedule tomorrow, you cancel it right away because I'm playing golf with Gary Player. But, Mike, it was so cool. And, like, on the third hole, he says, like, you know, I was talking to Nelson Mandela one day, and he kept going. I said, hold, man, hold up, hold up, hold up, man. You just can't saw the conversation and say, I was talking to Nelson Mandela one day. And I said, he said, Charles, it was one of the greatest honors of my life. You know, I fought apartheid. He says, when I was taking black golfers to, to South Africa, I had to ask for permission. He says, I was like, what? He says, until... He says, I'd always had to ask for permission. And, you know, and they, he said it was terrifying and scary. And he said, then when President Mandela came in, I got the chance to know him. And, and I was like, wow. Number one, I admire him for being Gary Player. But then he talked to like, man, how many people actually met President Mandela? That would be one of the, Robert's he's resting in peace. But to meet somebody on that level, who accomplished what he accomplished. And let me tell you something. If I go to prison for the night, I'm pissed off like for the next two months. If you have to go for a lot of years and you come out and you are at peace and only want to make the world a better place, you're a hero, man. You're a hero. And for this man to go in prison all those years and come out, become president and say, no, we're going to stop this stuff. We're going to unite with the white people and make this the best country in the world. I was like, man, you know this dude. And I said, no, you got to tell me more about President Mandela. You just can't say I was hanging with President Mandela one day. And then, <laughs> I mean, I want to know more about that. I mean, because, you know, you we meet very few people who you can say who are legitimate heroes. There's guys who I met who are great at sports. There's great actors I met, and it was cool to meet them. You know, but when I when I'm around Bill Russell, it's like a godlike experience because of what he's been through. You know, when I was around Muhammad Ali, I, I was like I was in awe. Like these guys today, they're great basketball players, uh, great football players, and they're they're great, they're great, they're great. But when I'm around Bill Russell, when I was around Muhammad Ali, when I'm around Mr. Player. You know, it's it's a surreal, like uh, Charlie Sifford, you know, Lee Elder. I got a chance to know, not well, I got a chance to play golf with him a couple of times. And I was like, this is unbelievable for me. You know, the stories they were telling me and, uh, you know, I read all the books about, because uh, I want to know, I want to know about my heroes. You know, because like I say, uh, I ain't been through no real stuff in my life, but when you have living legends like that, and they're telling you stories about, because, you know, can you imagine, like, wait, you can't go to the same bathroom as players. You can't eat at the same restaurants. You can't stay at the whole same hotels. Like, those guys who went through stuff like that, I want to know about them, because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here today. They did all the heavy lifting. I've always been able to go to the same bathroom. I've always been able to stay at the Four Seasons and the Ritz Carlton's. You know, I've always been able to go to any restaurant I wanted to. But when you meet somebody who's been through some real stuff in their life, take the time to say thank you. One of my really good friends, Joe Morgan, uh, you know, it, it, when he passed away, it broke my heart. Joe was great. But he would always, when we play golf, he'd tell, he'd tell these stories. And he says, he called his dad 
when he was going to meet Jackie Robinson for the first time. He said, Dad, I'm going to meet Jackie Robinson, blah, blah, blah. I don't know what to do. He says, just walk up to him and give him, shake his hand and say, thank you, Mr. Robinson. He said, what? He says, a, sometimes a simple thank you is enough. And when Joe told me that story, anytime I meet some of these older guys who did a lot of him, I said, hey, thank you. And But Joe Morgan's dad told him he's going to meet the great Jackie Robinson. He says, just shake his hand and say, thank you. And when I meet these guys, Kareem, Bill Russell, guys like that, you know, I always tell them, man, just thank you because they did so much for me. Uh, so just a simple thank you sometimes is enough. But you left one guy out there, and that was Kurt Flood. You never got yes. to meet Kurt. Yes, and you, you, you know what? Number one, correct. Uh, and Kurt Flood has never gotten the respect. Uh, Joe, Joe no. thank you for bringing that up because I, no. I, I don't want to forget Mr. Flood. And I tell every baseball player, every jock to go back and learn about Kurt Flood because if it wasn't for Kurt Flood, we wouldn't have free agency. Yeah. Uh, you know, so 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 things like that, it's just crazy to think about. And he suffered. And he clearly died at a young age because of stress. Well, there's no question about that. You know, yes. we, had a, we had a country music star named Charlie Pride. And the record company knew that he was such a great singer, but they were afraid to put him on stage because he was different. And the difference was his skin color. And so they promoted him for two months just on the radio and no one knew he was black. And then they put him on stage and he was still a star. All it was was his talent. And, and that's, you want to grade somebody by what's inside them, not by their skin color. So, my grandmother, my grandmother is the greatest person in my life. And we talked about that all the time. She when she when she was alive, she says, You know who Nelson Mandela is? I said, No, Granny, I don't. She says, You need to learn about Mandela. She says, I want you to learn about Dr. Martin Luther King. You need to know this because growing up in Alabama, I grew up about 20 minutes from Birmingham. So uh, you know, she talked to me. She said, You know about the church bombing. I had to go learn that. She says, you know about Selma, go learn about that. Go learn about the Montgomery boycott. So my grandmother, she said, hey, you're gonna, you're gonna have, you're great at basketball, but you need to learn about the history and things like that. So she said, hey, go read about Nelson Mandela. And I'm like a teenager at the time and nobody's really talking about apartheid to, you know, later, later. She says, go learn about Dr. Martin Luther King. Uh, go learn about people like that. and." I think it's important to know to know that, but I said, especially for me being from Alabama, uh, you know, you know, you know, everybody talked about. I said, everybody know about Selma. Everybody know about uh, uh, Montgomery. She said, no, you need to really learn about that. And uh, so, shout out to my grandmother, rest in peace, the greatest person ever in my life. And and here, there's the other thing: you have to learn your history, so that you don't make the same mistakes the second time. And um, and I think through your life and through what you're trying to give back to society, I, I think you, you've been that role model that you, you said you didn't want to be, but you, you did want to be, and you, you did it, and you did it the right way. So uh, I'm, I'm, hey, I'm like, Hey, listen, I told you, you know, Mike said it. Mike said I had a good I man. I, you know, Joe, growing up in the projects with a single mom and four boys, my mom was a maid.
my grandma worked at a meat factory and they did, they were great women. You know, two of my brothers have passed away. It's just me and one left. My mom, my grandmother, my dad. My dad recently passed away uh, oh, about six months ago. So, and I'm like, man, growing up in the project in a small town, we got a few thousand people, a couple thousand. And growing up in the projects and now doing your podcast, I can't believe my life. You know, growing up in that town, couple thousand people living in the projects, going to Auburn, been in the NBA for 16 years, been on TV for 21 years. I said, man, man, what a great run. I mean, I mm. like every now and then, I don't, you know, you always got crap to do. Well, that's a lot. You don't really don't have a lot to do. I, <laughs> I, I, you, know, I, you know, I tell people that because they always got bullshit for you to do, cowboy. They're like, <laughs> Yo, man, can you come to this function? This one? No, man, I'm busy. I'm busy. I, and I'm lying. I'm really just going to play golf and fish. But but yeah. people, they, they're so disrespectful to your time. I said, yo, man, I'm doing plenty for charity. I don't have to meet random strangers and go to their stuff because they, they never stop. They never stop. And I said, yo, man, I feel really good about what I'm doing for charity. I sleep really good at night, but I can't do everybody charity stuff. So I lied to him and said, you know, I'm a little busy right now, but I'm either playing golf or fishing. I'm just lying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Charles, you ever think about why you, 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 you mentioned you lived a great life. You've met so many fascinating people in your life and you look around. Did you, you ever ask yourself the question, why you instead of somebody else? It, you know, first of all, you have to work hard at whatever you do. Uh, so, you know, I put the time and effort in. I mean, clearly the big fella gave me some talent, but I worked hard, you know, and, and I, it, the best thing probably ever had to me was Moses Malone. Cause you know, I was the number five. So I had success in college. I was in college for three years. I led the SEC in rebounding uh, all three years that I was there. So I would have success, but I weighed about 295 pounds. So I was the number five pick in the draft. And uh, the Sixers took me, obviously. And I wasn't getting to play, Mike. And Moses, who's I called dad, and uh, he was the most influential person in my basketball career. You need so, to tell Mike, you need to tell Mike that Moses didn't go to college. Yeah, he, he played not. here in St. Louis. He played for, for the uh, Spirits of St. Louis. I know yeah. him well. Or well, knew best, him well. But, but the best thing about him. So I, I'm not getting to play my rookie year. And I asked Moses, I said, Moses, can I come see you? Moses lived in the penthouse where I lived. I was like on the sixth floor. He was on the deep penthouse. <laughs> uh, so I said, Moses, can I come and see you tonight? He said, sure, young fellow. I said, Moses, why am I not getting to play? He says, well, young fellow, you fat and you lazy. And I said, what? He said, you fat and you lazy. And then, you know, I did like, any man would do. I went downstairs and cried. And, uh, but I did. I said, well, explain. He says, well, which part? The fat or the lazy part? He says, son, you got a lot of talent, but you're not in good shape and you can't work hard enough. And I said, he, I said well, what can I do? He says, you want to lose weight, I'll help you. So he said to me, and this is one of the greatest players already. He says, let's lose 10 pounds. He said, I'll meet you before practice and I'll meet you after practice. So he said, let's lose 10 pounds. 
So I get to 290. And then I can feel my endurance picking up. He says, well, let's get to 280. And they, oh, shit, I'm starting to, you know, work hard now. He gets me to 270. Now I'm starting. He gets me 260, gets me all the way to 250. So I lost 50 pounds because of Moses. I actually got to 240 at one point. But he says, I said, Moses, I don't feel strong and I don't have great energy. He said, well, let's go back to 250. He said, 250 is your plan weight. But this guy, you know, it was a lot of hard work, but it changed the entire dynamic of my career because I've seen guys eat their way out of the NBA. So, Mike, I put a lot of time and a lot of effort into my craft. But if it weren't for Moses, you know, taking me on this wing, because uh, nobody's successful on their own right. There's a lot of people around you who help you be successful. And But Moses, man, when he made me lose those 50 pounds, the rest is history. You know, I became a great player after that. Uh, but nobody is successful without working hard. Joe, it's great to have Workout Anytime on board 5460 as one of our sponsors. You know, many of our listeners know Workout Anytime as their hometown club, and they can work out on their schedule 24-7. Others might be aware that Workout Anytime has a great business opportunity as well. That's right, Mike. Workout Anytime is one of the top 200 fastest-growing franchises in America. They've been this for more than 20 years and are currently in 22 different states, and internationally in Honduras and Costa Rica. Opening up a gym and becoming part of a $30 billion health and fitness industry has never been easier when you choose to invest in a Workout Anytime franchise. Joe, did you know one in five American adults have a fitness club membership? I did know that, as a matter of fact, and I'm told that the number is expected to nearly double in the next 10 years. Mike, I know those folks at Workout Anytime, and I have known them for a long time. They're so passionate about the industry and their franchises rave about the support the company provides. Here's a great business tip. Go to workoutanytimefranchise.com and learn more. While you're there, you can see a map available. While you're there, you'll see a map of available locations and find out how to arrange an initial phone conversation to hear more about a proven workout anytime business model. That's workoutanytimefranchise.com. What, did, what impact did Dr. J have on your career? Dr. J taught me how to dress. He taught me how to be professional. He said, Charles, <laughs> and let me tell you something, I almost killed him one day, I gotta be honest with you. <laughs> so my first year, you know, I'm still dressing like a punk in college, warm up suits everywhere. And Dr. J was always dressed fantastic. So he says, hey, what are you doing today? I said, I got no plans. He takes me shopping. We go to Boyd's store, which is like one of the biggest clothing stores in Philadelphia. He says, he needs 10 suits and five sports coats and pants. He do? <laughs> like, he do? He says, this is professional basketball. This ain't college basketball where y'all get off the plane we go through the airports. Because uh, that time, we're flying commercial. I think my first three years in NBA, we flew commercial. He's like, you got to dress like a professional. And okay, and then the bill comes. It was $32,000. I'll never forget it, Mike. 
<laughs> and you know, I guarantee you, there's nobody in my household ever made thirty-two thousand dollars a year. I spent it in one afternoon. <laughs> I remember calling my agent. I said, "Yo, man, I need some money." He said, "For what?" He said, "You, you got your allowance." He said, "I said, no, my allowance ain't gonna get this done." <laughs> I said, hey, this is three. This is four allowances at the time. He says, you know, Dr. J got on my ass about how I dress. He says, he told me I got, I'm a professional now. And I got started. He says, Dr. J is right. He says, I'll send you the money tomorrow. So he taught me how to be a professional. He taught me how to handle my money, told me how to save my money. He says, uh, another perfect example. He says, young fella, I noticed something about you. I said, what did you say? How many cars you got? I said, I got like six. He says, well, how many of those can you drive at a time? He says, oh, what do you mean? He said, well, how many of you can you physically drive? I said, one. He says, well, take those other damn cars back. I said, what do you mean? He says, son, let me tell you something. No matter how great a basketball player you is, you this money ain't going to last you forever unless you save it. He said, Charles, stop trying to impress other people. And this is, one of the most, this is what I tell the young kids today. He said, yo, man. You don't need six expensive cars. He said, you can have one expensive car, but you don't need six. He said, everybody already know who you are. He said, when you buy an expensive car, you're trying to impress other people. You don't have to do that. You're already impressive. You're Charles Barkley, and everybody knows it. He said, you pull up in a Kia, everybody knows that's Charles Barkley right there. But when you go out and waste all that money, two things are going to happen. You're going to be broke at some point. There's a reason 75% of professional athletes go broke. They spend way too much money. He says, and Herm Edwards always said it, you don't need but one house, you don't need but one car. He says, when you got a bunch of houses and a bunch of cars, you're going to go broke. I love me some Herm Edwards when I hear him say that. But Doc taught me that back in 1984, 85. He says, son, you don't need all those cars. You don't have to impress everybody. Everybody already know who you are. So that's how Doc helped me uh, the most. That's so that's so neat and it's a great story for everybody. It's a great story for everybody in every sport and every aspect of life too. You just uh, some of the simplest things in life uh, it makes it work better, you know and and uh, I, I get the, the feeling that uh, you should be giving this speech uh, from a pedestal like the the floor of Congress or maybe from the office of the presidency because you have a, not, a lot more intelligence than those guys do. Hey, let me tell you something. These, <laughs> these politicians, Democrats and Republicans, and they both are awful. They're both running our country. And I tell people, we're just fools in a pawn game. Like, yeah. they don't care. I said, it has nothing to do with being a Democrat or Republican. They're both awful. Awful. And and it's really unfortunate we're so stupid as people. They And I said, I say, all they really do is make us fight with each other. Uh, they do nothing for us but make us like, I got to make this group hate that group. I got to make this group hate that group. I'm like, well, no, not really. Y'all really supposed to be taking care of us. And you, yeah, you can't make everybody happy, but you don't make have to make people fight with each other. Uh, and, and that's all they're doing right now. And, and it's really sad because I tell people, I'm not going to get on TV or on your podcast like I give a rat's ass who the president is. Yeah. I said, but but you know what I believe in? I believe in decency. I, I really believe in decency. Like, it, it was so funny. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and this guy says to me, he said, man, you're the driver who was driving me back and forth to, to Subway. 
uh, to the to the commercial shoot. He said, man, you're a really nice down to earth guy. I said, man, I learned a long time ago. My, my mom and grandmother and, you know, Dr. J asked said to me, just don't be an asshole. <laughs> That's it. Hey, we all got issues. We can all, hey, but just don't be an asshole. And I try to live my life like that. I don't mind disagreeing with people. I try not to like, okay, we just disagree. I'm not mad. We disagree. Yeah. But there's no reason to be an asshole ever, period. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, <clears throat> Uh, all the years I worked in the big leagues, whenever I'd go to San Diego, they the, and you touched on this earlier about the veterans, the Navy and the Marine Corps would bring uh, platoons of sailors and Marines to the game, and they'd sit in the upper deck. And it's just Sunday afternoon. And about the third inning, they'd play anchors away, and those sailors would get up and cheer like little kids. And the next inning, they'd, they'd play the Marines hymn, and the Marines would stand at attention and sing the Marines hymn to the end. And at the very end, they'd all go, hoorah, you know, like, and you could feel a rush of energy go through the stadium. And uh, you have to realize that we are all in this country and have the entertainment we have because of those people, because of the veterans who have put their life on the line and signed a contract that they would give their life for all of us. And I tell people all the time, Tony Blair was the prime minister of Great Britain, and he said, uh, he was asked by a member of his parliament, and he said, why do you always take up for the Americans? And he said, well, there's two main reasons. One is you have to look at how many people are trying to get into a country and how many people are trying to get out. <laughs> and then you have to look at only two people ever died for you, Jesus Christ and the American GI. One died for your soul and the other died for your freedom. And no truer statement's ever been made. And so we owe all of our things that we have attained in life. And you said you have to have help from somebody. Well, we've had help from the, from the greatest generations ever by keeping us free. And we're messing it up. You know, Ted Turner once said about baseball, he says, we got the greatest monopoly in the world. We're messing it up. We've got the greatest country in the world and we're messing it up. We got to, we got to put our foot down and straighten this thing out and we have to do it from the common people because our leaders aren't doing it. Yeah. Uh, first of all, you, it's, it's really sad because, uh, these, this is, and I tell people in cowboy, you've been around the world, Mike, I don't know your history, man. I've been around the world. This stupid ball is taking me everywhere. <laughs> and let me tell you something. If you go live in those other countries, you are racing to get back to the United States. <laughs> As I tell people, you can say what you want to about America, but man, y'all, people have zero idea how good we got it. Like, they kill you for voicing your opinion in other countries. You can say what the hell you want to in America and nothing happened to you. Hey, Charles, you can even say it, get fired, and they still pay you. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> yes. But I tell people, I say, yo, man, we, we, we got to take our country back. We got to say, hey, no, no, you guys, no. There's two greater things we got going. Y'all are messing it up. Y'all are messing this thing up. This is the greatest place in the world. I said, if we just, so, but we just got to draw a line and say, hey, you know, we had enough. We're starting over with this political thing. We're going to put term limits in there. And that, that to me would be a great place to start. Hey, how about term limits? Because these people have been in there forever. 
And like, come on, that, nobody keeps any other than Cowboy Joe. Nobody keeps a job forever. <laughs> <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Car Shield, who makes it easy and affordable to protect my car from expensive repairs. And that's just for starters. CarShield is the number one auto protection company in the U.S. and offers protection plans for around 100 bucks a month. The plans cover more parts than ever before, whether your car has 5,000 miles or 150,000 miles. Let me tell you how simple it is to get your car fixed. When you need a repair, you choose the mechanic, and CarShield's administrators handle all the rest. That's it. You don't have to deal with the paperwork or the headaches you're taken care of. The same goes if your car breaks down and you're stuck on the side of the road. Plans through CarShield also include coast-to-coast -coast roadside assistance. CarShield administrators are there for you with rental car options and trip reimbursement at no extra cost. Get coverage today and you'll lock up your price now and it will never go up. That means as long as you own your car, no matter how old it is, you're protected from the rising cost of parts and repairs for your vehicle. CarShield helps protect my wallet from expensive car repairs, and they'll do the same for you. Go to carshield.com slash podcast to start your plan and lock in your pricing forever. That's carshield.com slash podcast. A deductible may apply. Hey, Charles, for you, you, you mentioned 21 years in TV, 16 years as a player. So basketball has been part of your life. What's the most fun thing you still do when it comes to being involved in TV? The game. Ain't nothing the, like the game. But there's some <laughs> games, there's some games you'll admit, man, I don't even know why we have this one on. Cause this oh is yeah, I hate bad games. I hate bad games. But Mike, let me tell you something. There's something that can happen. I see something that's gonna happen. Like, I'll give you an example. When I was down, I was watching the, the, the Stanley Cup. I actually, I wasn't at that game. I, I, I didn't go to game six. But to see that joy when those young kids won the Stanley Cup and the one old guy who'd been in the league for like 15 years and finally won the Stanley Cup, like that's what sports do for us. Those kids in Colorado, they were so excited. You know, sports, can I bring that? Like, Watching Otani pitch yesterday, like watch Mike Judge hit another, uh, Aaron Judge hit another home run, like man, that is so awesome to see. And like, if you're having a bad day and your team is doing good, that's what sports do. Like if you're having issues at work, something wrong with your kids or something like that, like sports are so fun to be. They bring you so much joy and they bring you pain at times. But when I'm watching, like watching the finals, watching Steph Curry do his thing, that was like, I'm watching one of the greatest basketball players ever do his thing. That's cool for me. So when I go to work, we get two games a night. There's a chance I'm going to see something great. That's a chance. So I look forward to going to work. First of all, it's the stupidest thing in the world. They're paying me to watch basketball. <laughs> I mean, it's the stupidest thing in the world. I mean, I'm like, wait, y'all gonna, I'm gonna watch anyway, but y'all gonna pay me to watch. So, uh, it, you, you said all the years, I mean, man, I've touched, I've been, I've basketball been part of my life since I was probably 16. 
So it's all I know in life. It's giving me the greatest life I can. Uh, I mean, I, people always say, I ain't going to lie to you. People say, what, if you would, what would you do if you wasn't playing basketball? I'm like, I don't even know. I have zero idea. And uh, so, but, you know, now I'm going on in, in, you know, between TV and NBA, 37 years. That's crazy. You know, the NBA has been part of my life for 37 years. And you had fun every day of it. Yo, man, it ain't not a lot of stress out here. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't, I don't know about that. Now, I, I saw you in that commercial with those kids where they, they said you were famous. And you oh said, yeah, yeah hey. I was a basketball player. No, you were famous for being a bad golfer. Look at this swing on the computer. <laughs> and, and, and then they just beat up on you, and you go over there and have to look up your basketball career to show them. And that one little girl comes over and says. It'll be all right, Charles. <laughs> you know, there's nothing better than making commercials with kids. I, I this was a great year for me making commercials for kids. With the with the uh, when a little girl picks me in the basketball game, and then yeah. one you talk about AT and T, man, those kids. First of all, they got so much energy, and they're so much fun to be around. Uh, this was a fun year for me to do kid commercials. Yeah. Hey, by the way, how's the golf like game? You know, you know, Mike, I'm going to tell you something, man. I, I'm i playing great right now. I I have put so much time and effort. You know, I got to give a shout out to my coach, Stan Utley. You know, Mike, I've been to hell and back. Stan went to University of Missouri. Yeah. Yes. Stan saved my life and changed my life because, you know, I used to be a good player, Mike. And then I started taking lessons from every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the world. And my brain went haywire for 25 years. I, I I was standing on the ball. I was scared to death. I had like 12 guys talking to me at the same time. I had no idea who I was listening to. And all of a sudden, I mean, I'm terrified. And then I met Stan at Tom Lehman's golf tournament about three years ago. And he says, Charles, can I work with you? Because, you know, he worked with some of the best players in the world. He's, got, he's, one of the, he's the best short game teacher in the world. I said, Stan, I work with everybody. I don't even play anymore unless it's a charity event for a friend. He says, well, give me a chance then. And I said, Stan, I don't know if I have the energy to work that hard. He said, just give me give me two days. And Mike, he says, well, tell me what happened. I said, man, I was a good player. I want to get better. So I just started taking lessons from everybody. He says, when you stand over the ball, what are you thinking about? I said, well, I got like 10 guys talking to me. I ain't going to lie. He says, well, stand over the ball and close your eyes. I said, what? He said, just close your eyes and listen to me. He said, I just want you to hear my voice. He said, I need you to really concentrate and just listen to my voice. And after two days, he says, now... This is going to take a lot of hard work and a lot of effort on your part. He said, I want you to go to range every day for at least an hour and just think about what I'm telling you, just what I'm telling you. And you're going to hit some good shots. You're going to hit some bad shots, good shots, bad shots. But he says, you watch golf on TV, right? I said, yeah. He said, do those guys hit bad shots? I said, yeah. He says, well, why the hell you think you can't hit bad shots? <laughs> and I said, okay, Stan, I, I, I feel what you're cooking with right now. I feel it. And Mike, let me tell you something. It took a couple years, but I'm probably playing better than I ever played. And I'm going to get better because right now I'm practicing every day for at least four or five hours. 
And man, I'm I'm on, I'm on uh, I got that big term in Lake Tahoe next week. So check it out on uh, on NBC next week, brother. See how I'm playing. I'm looking forward to it. I know uh, you and I share a good friend, Roy Green, that always talks oh, about. Oh, we're not friends, man. He's my arch <laughs> hey, He's my arch enemy. I do, I do. I can roll that when I get a reaction. Hey, let me tell you something. He is my arch enemy. Hey, Roy, Roy, Roy is probably my best friend. I play golf with him every day when I'm in Arizona. We fight every single day on the golf course. He is my arch rival. He's my arch enemy, uh, but he's one of my best friends. He's one of the best people I know. But man, make no doubt about it. He's my arch rival and my arch enemy. See, y'all talk a lot of shit out there. Oh, no question. <laughs> no question. I've heard. He's told me that. <laughs> hey, listen, first of all, you know, him and he got a friend, his, his boy named Willard. Willard Harrell's a good friend of mine. Yeah, he's here in yeah. St. Louis. We played about yeah, two yeah. weeks ago. So him and Wu, as he called him Wu, they are my arch rivals. <laughs> Tell the story about when you first met Wu and he had to pull out his phone to show that he actually played in the NFL. First of all, there is some truth to that. Him and Roy, the only two people carry old highlights of them around on their phone to show the people. <laughs> I was like, we were at Morton's one night. We always go to Morton's. You can smoke cigars on the patio. And I said, man, what are you doing? I feel like I'm I do, do you actually have highlights of yourself on your damn phone? <laughs> uh, but but you know what? You just, you can't do nothing but laugh. You can't do nothing but laugh because Wu is such a good dude. And every time he comes to Arizona, we have a couple of days of golf and fun and shenanigans. But man, me, him, and Roy together, it's just a lot of shit talking and, good, uh, and, and mediocre golf at best. I don't know whether you saw Roy Green as a player uh, when he played in the NFL. Maybe you did because he was in Philadelphia right at the end. But I always tell people this. Had Roy Green played on the Rams, the greatest show on turf, the greatest offense in the history of the game, Roy Green would have set records that would have never been thought of. He would have caught 2,000 yards and passes easy. Uh, there was nothing he couldn't do on the football field. Well, you know what's amazing? So, see, you know, I'm so old. I tell people, you know, when you meet these kids, they think there's always been basketball on like every damn night of the week. I say, no, man, it ain't like it is now. You don't get a game. First of all, they didn't even have ESPN when I was young. So, <laughs> so Mike, I'm so old, you think about this. The NBA Finals were tape delayed. That's how old I am. But well, you, you, you're forgetting one thing that when the Globetrotters were around, the Globetrotters were usually the show. We couldn't afford we... to go to hey, I'm from a small town in Alabama. You think we can afford to go see the damn Globetrotters, cowboy? <laughs> well, the, the Globetrotters were the were the show, and the NBA was the, the played before the Globetrotters yeah. performed. <laughs> well, so, so the, the, the we got one basketball game a week because we didn't have no pro teams in Alabama. So we got one pro game a week in basketball and one pro game a week in football. And in basketball, it was always going to be the Lakers, Celtics, or the 76ers. It's going to be one of those three teams against each other most of the time. But it's always going to have one of the, the big three, we call it. And that was every Sunday afternoon. But in football, we got one game a week. It was always going to be the New York Giants, the Dallas Cowboys, 
Washington Redskins. Those were the three biggest teams back then. And for some reason, they were always beating the hell out of the St. Louis Cardinals. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I can I can attest to that. You are you are you're right. I says some of the half the time it was Cowboys, Redskins, Giants, Eagles. It was always the NFC back then. But on the off when they weren't playing each other, one of them was beating the hell out of the St. Louis Cardinals. So I tell you what's funny about that. Go 30 years, 20, 20 some years later, I'm like Roy Green. Damn, I heard that name somewhere before. Because he was putting up good numbers too. They just stunk as a team. <laughs> You're right. And I'm like, that can't be the same damn Roy Green. And we started talking. I said, yo, man, there was a great player from the St. Louis Cardinals back in when I was younger. Like I said, we got one game a week, and y'all wasn't no good, but you were doing your thing, brother. He <laughs> says, that's me. I said, damn. And next thing I know, we're best friends. And uh, like I say, I love me some Roy Green, man. He's one of my favorite people in the world. Like I say, we play golf. Because like I say, I, I travel a couple of days a week doing basketball season, but I'm at home five days a week most of the time. And I play golf with him four of those days. And well, do you're you right. Have, do you have let me tell you something. There's so much trash talking going on. Well, does he pull out his phone and show his video between arguments? Uh, no, it, no uh, that's only a dinner, Cowboy. We, that was a dinner. <laughs> <laughs> hey. No, we don't allow – hey, you don't show old videotapes uh, when you're playing golf. But you know, Atlanta, they're him and Wu are definitely going to break out the break out the old video. Uh, it's hilarious, too. Yeah. You know, hey. you, 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 were on the, you were on the NBA channel when uh, Mark Eaton passed away because he had just gone to that – the game where I set the record for most games umpired. And, and I know he was, a, he was a friend of yours and uh, – um, when um, when you took you took the time to to say that on there, I was really touched by it. And I know his family was, but uh, you go back to all those times that uh, you played against him, uh, and he was an awesome player. But it was funny because I met him through uh, Larry Ziegler, and he came to the event, and everybody was so shocked because of how tall he was. And he was one of the most gracious people at the at the event, and uh, he he spoke to everybody. He took pictures with everybody. In fact, I got a picture behind me that that uh, they took of all 130 tickets that I had to buy. And he's standing in the very back, and he's still head and shoulders of everybody. <laughs> so, but it was a it was a sad day for all of us. And I remember when you when you brought it up on your your broadcast. And, yeah. Yeah, you know, first of all, I think you're lying about paying for all 130 tickets. You, I know damn well you didn't pay for them all. You lied. Yeah, I did. I did. <laughs> you did? The White, the White Sox gave me 16, but I paid for the rest of them. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, 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 so you know what was really – Mark, you know, we just lost another gentle giant, Bob Lanier, like yeah. a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Bob and Mark, we throw around the term gentle giant all the – not many times. Because, you know, most people 
that big uh, gruff and everything. But Mark and Bob were two of the nicest guys I've ever met. And I got to spend a lot of time with Bob when he moved to Phoenix late in, late, I mean, for as long as I can remember. But me and Mark just hit it off good. And he and me and Carl Malone been great friends and John Stockton. But when he was sending me pictures from your event, and then to pass away right after that, I, I, I'm glad that I got he he got to enjoy some time with you and, and, and at that event before he passed away because what a good dude, man! What a really good dude. Guys, it's time to bring that summer heat back into the bedroom. That's right. Confidence can take you far in life. It can also help you in the bedroom, especially when it comes time to step up to the plate. That's where Blue Chew comes in. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, but in a chewable tablet and at the fraction of a cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead and be ready whenever an opportunity arises. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of our licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive a prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online. So no doctor's office visits, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the United States and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. They always say first impressions are important. What about lasting impressions? Yeah, it's time to get off the couch and back to work. If your tool needs an upgrade, you need BlueChew.com. Women say there's nothing sexier than confidence, and BlueChew can help give you confidence where it counts. So if you can benefit from the extra confidence when it's time to perform, BlueChew can help. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try BlueChew free when you use our promo code Joe West at checkout. Just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com, promo code Joe West, to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring this podcast. Hey, Charles, you, you played in a, in a very good era, great players. And, and every era has great players. And I know you've always talked about Kevin McHale being the best player you ever played against. Who was the, the most fearless guy you ever played against? I mean, a guy that you realize I'm going to have to put some work in tonight. Birds like that. Uh, a guy who's like, oh, I got, you know, I, we call it, we call it good night's sleep, guys. Yeah, I need to get a good night's sleep before this guy. <laughs> I mean, some night, some guys, you're like, oh, oh, we can start drinking all night. We're good. He, he can't play dead. You know, but Bird was like that. I mean, obviously, Kevin McHale, to me, the best player I played against. He was just unstoppable, and he gave me fits on the other end. You know, you know, I, I, I'm going to say Michael, but I didn't guard Michael, but that, that was a scary proposition playing against the Bulls because you know that man, he was going to bring it. Akeem Olajuwon. I didn't guard him personally, but I played him in two back-to-back seven-game series. Actually, the two years uh, they won the championship, we lost to him in seven games, and we were the best team, and they were the best team. But watching that guy play in person and on tape for seven games in a row, two years in a row, was like, damn, 
I'm really good at basketball. That dude's really good at basketball too. Uh, but man, you know, Gary Payton is one of my all-time favorites. Carl uh, Malone. Uh, but Patrick Ewing. It, it's so many great, great players doing our time. And I was blessed. But the two guys I always tell people we got to always admire is Maddie Johnson Larry Bird. Those two guys saved the NBA. In my opinion, they're the two most important people in NBA history because if you go back, you know, people look at all this money that these guys are making days because of Bird and Magic. Because when I got to the NBA in 1984, the average salary was $250,000. Now the average salary is like $10 million. Because before Bird and Magic came along, it was too black, too ghetto, too many guys who did drugs. It was tape delayed and things like that. That all changed when Magic and Bird came to the NBA. And I make sure I tell those guys every time I see them, thank you. Thank you. And like Matt, and obviously Michael took it to a, another level. And all these guys out here selling sneakers, making hundreds of millions of dollars now, they owe all that to Michael. All these guys making commercials like myself and everything, they owe all to Michael. Because you think about this, nobody was selling sneakers, nobody had a shoe deal, and nobody was doing commercials. That's all because of Michael. That's why I always tell people, Magic and, and, and Larry, we owe them for starting the NBA, just like Jack, Gary, and uh, Arnold in golf, and then Tiger took it to a whole nother level. Magic and Bird got this thing turned around, and obviously Michael took it to another level. But the reason all of us do commercials and got shoe deals with Nike and all these other companies is because of Michael. So we owe him a great deal of gratitude and thank you also. You know, uh, Mike, I, I sent Charles a text one time. We were in the instant replay. And when you're in replay, there's two crews there. And we're we're all about finished with our shifts. And we go to this little bar downtown New York and I and Charles is on TV, and I think you were doing a college game or something anyway. So I sent him a text while he's on the air, and I said, Charles, I got a bet with these two other umpires. We picked our all-time best starting five in the NBA. And I said, and Mark Gripperger picked this, and Will Little picked this, and I picked this. And, of course, my team was older than dirt. I picked uh, – Oscar and Jerry West and uh, Wilt Chamberlain and Rick Barry. And I don't even remember who the other four was anyway. But, so I said, because you didn't make any of these lists, Charles, we figured you should be the judge as to who picked the best team. <laughs> <laughs> he, he wrote me back while he was on the air <laughs> and all the, I'm getting this text message and the other umpires, they are howling with laughter. <laughs> he, wrote me, he said, y'all are all wrong. It was Kareem, Wilt, Russell, I think you said Oscar, and Michael. I did. And I said, uh, I wrote back, I said, Mark said your team was too slow. He said, you might be able to outrun all these guys. <laughs> hey, thanks. I didn't have the heart to tell him that Wilt could probably outrun everybody on the whole list. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, Charles, what kind of relationship did you have with officials? Uh, I know you got rung up a few times on the technical side, and everybody remembers your relationship with Dick Vavetta. 
but what kind of relationship did you have with officials overall? And Joe, what kind of player do you think he'd be if he was in Major League Baseball? Well, Are you asking me or Charles? I'm going to ask you. I, no, listen, let me tell you something. I got along with the officials actually really, really good. Do we have our disputes? Yeah. The only time I ever had an issue, there was a guy named Mike Mathis. He wouldn't let it go from game to game. I got rung up by Steve Jabby. It's over with. Joey Crawford, probably my favorite. Got great friends to this day. I play golf with Derek Stafford. He's giving me a tech. It's an emotional game. We all get heated. We're all trying to be successful. We got no idea what they got no idea what I got going on in my life. I might not even be mad about something that happened in a basketball game. I might be having some stuff going on. And then I was playing bad and I took it out on the officials. But the only guy I ever had a real issue with was Mike Mathis because we got into it one time and he would never let it go. But most of these guys, I tell you what's really interesting for me. I like replay, but I think it's a really these officials, man. They deserve probably more credit than uh, than they they probably deserve more credit because some of these calls without instant replay, man, ain't no way you could get that call right or wrong in real time. And now, and like now, everybody's an expert because of instant replay. Hey. These guys are doing the best they can. I don't think any official goes into a game saying, I want to ring somebody up. But like I say, hey, it's an emotional game. You get mad at times. And, and there's times that I got tossed that I probably deserved it. Probably a couple of times I didn't deserve it. But I think for the most part, guys go out there like, could they, could, listen, I don't think they really want to be part of the game. You know, um, there's a story that Jerry Crawford, Joey's brother, told me. He said that you walked up behind Joey when he was officiating because Joey's dad was a National League umpire and Joey's brother, Jerry, was a National League umpire. He worked with me. And so Jerry called me and told me this story. He said, you know what Charles Barkley did the other day? And I said, no. He says, he walked up behind Joey and he said, how does it feel to be the worst official in your family? <laughs> <laughs> and Joey admitted that you did that. And so I asked him, well, what'd you do? Did you give him a technical? Value? He said, no, I laugh like hell. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I used to call him. I said, hey, number three. <laughs> hey, number three. He says, Chuck, you're the third best official in your damn family, number three. Uh, we, we would laugh about it. That's it. We would just laugh about it. Yeah. But hey. uh he he was uh, and he was a great basketball official. I mean, he came yes, up. Yes, he was. He came up in like '79. I think he came up before you did. Oh, he I I don't know no, but like he was he was there my entire career. Great guy yeah. too. Great guy. Yeah, good good official and and you, it's it's one of those things, uh, Mike. You were talking about how would he how would he be in our game? You know what? It's really funny. The, the great players in every game have their little tiffs and little spats with officials here and there. But for the most part, I think Charles is right. You know, this, uh, the, the officials is there to, to make it fair for everybody. And uh, I'm, I remember I, I kicked out a manager one time and the, he came out of the dugout and he said, you just did that so everybody would know you're here. 
I said, I've been here 40 years. Everybody knew I was here when I walked out. What are you talking about? <laughs> hey, Joe, tell our listeners what you told me about the all-natural B1 sports performance and wellness patch that's revolutionizing sports nutrition. Fans, there's no more sugary energy drinks or extra caffeine for an energy boost. The B1 patch is fast-acting. It's body heat activated and proudly made here in the United States. It's a must-have if you're out on the golf course or on the go or just patching up your future major leaguers. Feel good about using this 100% all-natural B1 patch from USA National Patches. It's easy to apply, worn by over 200 athletes, and is the official patch of 78 Division I schools. And, Mike, I personally use the B1 patch for years, and they've made a, a real difference in my life. Visit B1.com and enter the code UMPIRE to buy B1 and get one free. I really want you to try these and I want all our listeners to try it. You'll be glad you did. It's the B1 patch. Don't compete without it. That's buyb1.com. Enter the code umpire and buy one and get one free. <laughs> hey, hey, Charles, um, quick question for me. The game, you like the direction, and how much of an impact has Steph Curry had on the future of the game? Because now kids who aren't six foot eight and can dunk can now look at a guy like Curry and watch how fundamentally sound he is and how he's extended the range of a jump shooter, unlike anything we've ever seen. How much of an impact has he had on the game, and where do you see the game headed? I'm not happy with the direction the game is going. What I mean by that is, first of all, I'm a Steph Curry guy. I love Steph Curry. But <laughs> you shouldn't be shooting all those trees unless you're Steph Curry. The, the, pro, the, pro, the problem we got, the problem we got, we got Tom, Dick, and Harry shooting threes like they Steph Curry. Um, I just, uh, that's my only problem. Like, if, if hey, you, it should be a rule. You should have to shoot a good percentage to shoot a bunch of threes. And if you're not shooting a good percentage, how about this? Let's don't shoot all those threes. So now the game is like, hey, we're just going to jack up a bunch of threes. I'm like, well, that's a good strategy they're going in. But what if they're not going in? So there's a middle ground. We haven't found that yet. Because you watch the NBA now, it's like every team comes out, we're just going to shoot all threes. If they go in, we're going to win. If they don't go in, we're gonna lose. I'm like, well, that doesn't sound like a good damn strategy to me. Well, do you think, like you think also, coaching has something to do with it? Yeah, I think the coaches, uh, they they coach. That's what I'm saying. The coaches have the coaches got to get better. But Mike, also, one thing that bothers me the most, we got seven foot guys shooting threes now. And the thing that's crazy about that is. They're the only seven footer out there. I'm like, well, if everybody else is six five and you're seven feet tall, why would you shoot threes? You you're taller than everybody. It's like uh, Joel Embiid got mad, mad at me and Shaq. We're like, why did you keep shooting threes? He's the biggest guy on the court, and he got mad. And then I guess somebody says. You know, those guys probably got a point. Maybe you should go down in the paint and dominate. <laughs> and, and, and let me tell you something. He probably should have won MVP this year. He took less threes than he has in, in the last five years. I'm like, Joel, we're not trying to be old guys, get off my lawn on television. 
You're the best big man in the game. You're seven feet two. They're putting a six, seven guy on you. Every time you shoot a three, he's like, oh, thank God he didn't go in the post. He's so much bigger than me. So this year, I guess somebody got in his ear and said, yo, man, take your big ass down to the post. <laughs> and he dominated. Like I say, probably should have won MVP, came in a close second. But, like, that's probably my biggest problem, Mike. Like, yo, man, you're seven feet tall. You shouldn't be shooting threes. But Steph is a great player. He's a great dude. But there should be a rule. Everybody can't shoot threes. When uh, when you were coming up, was uh, where was Maravich? I missed him. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I tell you what, I met him one time, and it was really cool. Uh, it was really cool, and you know what's really amazing? When they picked the top fifty players of all time, he was actually the only one who had passed away at the time. So it was pretty surreal. His kids were at the event, but. Uh, that that was like uh, amazing that only one guy in the top fifty all time had passed away, and obviously we just did the seventy five, and we've lost a lot more. But yeah. it was really interesting, and then when we had our first pick in the fifty best, Pete was the only man who had passed away. Rest in peace, Pete. Yeah, when I was in when I was in high school, the the basketball coach sent me to the camp at Bowie's Creek, where Campbell College is. He sent me to the basketball camp, and. Uh, so Pete Maravich was there and he, he was in college and he was out there on the floor and press Maravich's dad was there. And they said, uh, okay. They sent one of the young kids out, see if you can take the ball away from Pete. And he'd bounce it over their head. He'd throw it through their legs and keep dribbling. He'd bounce it behind his back. He, I mean, it was amazing how he handled the ball. Oh. So he sent, they sent the second kid out there and then they said, sent me out there said, see if you can take the ball away from him. anything, do anything you want to take the ball. So I just tackled him. <laughs> <laughs> I ran laps the rest of the day. <laughs> hey, hey fellas, we're running out of time here. Charles, man, this has been a true blast to have a chance to visit with you and, and you being part of what we do with the podcast. Uh, we can't thank you enough, my friend. It's, it's been great. Well, let me just say this. Uh, Mike, number one, it's a pleasure to meet you. Uh, you know, me and Cowboy have been together 100 years. <laughs> He's, he had an amazing journey. I've had an amazing journey. And like I say, man, when he called, I'm like, hell yeah. Uh, I mean, I, 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 I can't believe he got a podcast. I mean, think about it. When he probably started, I guarantee he had like that string and that cup for communications. Hey, he, hey, hey it's like not much better. It's, it's not much better. Trust me. Hey, it's not so. much better. Hey, hey, listen, I guarantee he ain't got no damn iPhone. I <laughs> I, hey, listen, I, listen, I, I'm just pulling this out of my ass right now. There's no doubt in my mind Cowboy got a flip phone. You're right. I do. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guy, hey. Hey, man. Hey, Cowboy, you take care of yourself. Mike, you have a great day, man. Y'all be safe, and thanks for having me. Hey, thank you, man. I'll say hey to Woo. I'm going to give him a call here in just a minute. Oh, bit, please man. do. I'm, I'm going to tell you, you was, was, was pouring it on him. Oh, please do. <laughs> hey, thanks again, thank man. You. We appreciate you. All right, thank y'all. you, bro. Thank All you. right. For Charles Barkley, he's Joe West. I'm Mike Claiborne. We thank you for tuning in. Another edition of 5460, the Joe West Podcast. We'll look forward to talking to you down the road.
My baby took me to the ballpark to see a baseball game. Lord, it had to be at least 99 in the shade. I was stealing a glance at some tight short pants just as I turned my head. My baby grabbed me by the arm and this is what she said. If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. If I catch you playing the field, you're gonna be long gone. You better play it safe and don't do me wrong. Cause if you cheat on me, you'll be out at home. You've been listening to 5460, the Joe West podcast here on the Podcast Heat Network. Make sure to subscribe and don't miss an episode each and every Monday. We'll talk to you next week. She's checking all the signs. While I'm enjoying two of the great American pastimes It's fouling up my nerve watching all these curves Remembering what she said to me And if I get caught looking it's gonna be strike three If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home If I catch you playing the field, you're gonna be long gone You better play it safe Don't do me wrong Cause if you cheat on me Well you'll be out at home If you cheat on me You'll be out at home If I catch you playing the field You're gonna be long gone You better play it safe And don't do me wrong Cause if you cheat on me Well you'll be out at home If you cheat on me, you'll be out at home.